0: 15 years ago, it was just about selling, selling, selling. You know, all the stores were piling up. It was not. Uh, it was nothing about emotion. There was nothing about, look how beautiful it is. Now it's just uh, we make a big pile of one product and we sell a lot. We are big storages, more or less. Uh, and we wanted to uh, sell more emotion than just the products, because if you have people in their emotion, you have them way longer and then you create fans instead of customers. And I think that's really important. Uh, A customer is just someone that needs a box or needs a candle or needs something and buys it. A fan really feels one with your your brand.
1: I'm David Kepron, This is Next Level Experience Design. About 12 years ago, I was visiting Amsterdam and I spent days wandering the city, eating stroopwafels, pancakes, drinking great coffee, and shopping along the Kalverstraat. The Kalverstraat is one of the main shopping streets in the city centre of Amsterdam, and it's more like an outdoor pedestrian mall that's jammed with retail stores of well-known international and homegrown Dutch brands, as well as independent retailers. My preferred approach to exploring an unknown city is generally to wander about, sometimes down alleys, looking through fences and over walls into hidden courtyards. It's mostly about discovery looking for things that other tourists may not find and connecting to the local nature of a place. I remember coming to a corner and an open door invited me into a store that I was unfamiliar with. Crossing the threshold, I stepped away from the rush of the crowd and entered into another world. It looked homey and cozy. The Perimeter walls were illuminated with colorful frames, each identifying specific categories of merchandise, and it smelled great. I didn't know the Rituals brand, but my first experience 12 plus years ago is easy to recall with a vivid sensory-based memory. I liked the store's name, since I've had a fascination with the idea of Rituals and what they mean, how they're enacted, and whether participating in them directly versus being an observer had any effect on their relevance for people. I spent the next half hour sampling fragrances, learning about the ancient Rituals upon which the products were based the product's ingredients, and how they had an effect on our body and our mind. And of course, I brought bags of products home. The smell of spray bottles that stayed in a bathroom door for a while after they were emptied brought me back to the street corner, the city of Amsterdam, the food, and the friends I met while there. From a neuroscientific point of view, scent is deeply connected to memories. sense can quickly affect mood. And that's why retailers suggest that baking cookies or bread when you're about to show your home is a good thing, because it activates emotions and nostalgic memories that make people feel more relaxed and draw a connection to a sense of comfort and security. And these are all good things to engender when you're trying to sell your home. It's an interesting connection, this idea of body and home. More interesting still is that a company like Rituals has made the connection between body, the home, and cosmetics. And in doing so, they have tapped into the basic idea that good retailing isn't just about products or services, but in the end, it's about emotions. If you can get to the customer's emotions, says Richard Lems, the director of format and design for Rituals, you create fans rather than just customers and while everyone else was following the em high and watch them fly mentality to retailing years ago rituals was working to sell emotion engendering feelings that were attached to ancient stories the practices of ayurveda or hammam or the rituals of sakura and that have become the experiential foundation for ritual stores behind every product there's a deeper meaning a deeper story based on ancient traditions that are made contemporary through western technologies For Richard Lems, there's no disconnect between the home and the body. You know that expression, home is where your heart is? Well, for Rituals, home, body, heart, and soul are all connected. They're in this reciprocal feedback loop, interconnected and interdependent. One of them influences the other. And like with my strategy of discovering a city, Rituals believes that the discovery process leads customer experiences in their stores. It may start from the street, but it eventually leads to a cup of tea and a hand-washing experience to finally exploring their assortment. Richard Lems explains that with rituals, innovation is on a very high level. They are constantly innovating with new products and experiences like meditation chambers and their new flagship store in Amsterdam, built just 100 meters away from the store I stumbled upon years ago. And while the Rituals brand has a robust social platform and online store that fills orders all over the world, Lems believes that the only way to really feel them, to smell them, and to touch them is to be in the store. The Rituals store is a nexus of ancient stories and practices, products and people. It is the physical touchpoint where the product presentation and hospitality of the store associates brings all of these narratives to life. And with that, I welcome Richard Lems of Rituals to the Next Level Experience Design podcast. Good afternoon. I guess it's afternoon because you're in Amsterdam, right?
0: Yes, it's uh, absolutely afternoon. It's actually the end of the afternoon. It's uh, around uh, five o'clock at this moment.
1: So, and you just told me the Dutch team is playing tonight. So, I think, you know, we're going to have to hurry up and get this done.
0: Yeah, well, no worries. We will win anyway.
1: That's a see. I like that. That's a positive attitude, and and that's such a great idea. You know, I think in a previous conversation I said to you that about twelve years ago or so, I was visiting Amsterdam, and and as everyone who is visiting Amsterdam will do, we will walk down the main shopping street in the city, and uh, I come upon this store on a corner, and I look in this store, and I think, wow, that is just so great you know they got these great wall displays with lighting and i walked in and the smell was just it literally was one of those sort of sensory experiences that i thought okay what is this um and i got immersed into the world of rituals and then i was convinced that i could hardly wait for you all to come to the us or canada um, which now you've done so I'm, I'm really curious from your point of view and in your role because I may have a fascination with Rituals, but maybe other people don't know, you know, who, who's in the listening audience. Um, maybe you can just take a minute to describe Rituals, uh, how the, the store concept and brand evolved, and a little bit about where you are now after my 12-year, 12, my 12 you know, um, fascination with the brand. Yeah, well, I
0: can. Uh, well, Rituals is actually the, the first uh, brand in the world that combined uh, home and body cosmetics, uh, so we were the first one, like, okay, what is your, uh, your, your safe space is your body, but also your home and your home is, is so important. Uh, so we were like, okay, if you like the, 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 the fragrances for, for your body, uh, why don't you like them also for your home? Um, and you feel, feel comfortable when you're in your home. So we were literally the first one that combined that. And I think that's, that was, uh, and that's now 22 years ago, actually, that we started Rituals in that first store where you have been. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Unfortunately, we closed it because we opened a beautiful flagship store 100 meters away from it. And everything that we do, we do it with a Rituals behind it. So with a story behind it. So it's not just products that we sell. No, we literally sell the story. Uh, and we are not here. Uh, we always say we're not here to sell products we here to sell that you feel yourself good and enjoy the little moments of life so taking a bath taking a shower taking a cup of tea uh, because we all live in in a in a world where everything is on fast pace we're always in always in a rush everything has to go fast and we never we i think most of the time we forget to take that moment for ourselves and Mm -hmm. i think nowadays i mean 22 years ago that was really new no one was talking about it nowadays people are more aware also thanks to the two years uh, of COVID that we have behind us but mm-hmm. uh, even now people are more aware like yeah you, you need to t- take the time for yourself and yeah enjoy the little moments and i think that's that's part of our philosophy and that's um yeah that we have that from 22 years ago and we still have the same philosophy.
1: So that's a great intro because I think you hit on all the things that I said, okay, those are things I want to talk about. I want to go back to the idea of home and the connection between retail space and your home and living space and what those two things are like. I love the idea of rituals, which I've had a fascination with for years. In fact, I've had guests on the podcast and we've only talked about the idea of ritual before uh, from an anthropological, sociological, psychological point of view. So that's something we can unpack. And then um, I'd I'd love to, you know, come back to some of those other things that you talked about in terms of feeling good, uh, because, and why? So let's, let's hit on the idea of home first. I remember my father uh, used to have these refrigerator magnets that he put on, on the refrigerator, you know, and they had, they had, you know, great sayings that we were supposed to learn as kids. Like you can't complain how the ball bounces if you dropped it. And, uh, things like, and home is where your heart is and things like that. But so, you know, the idea of home and the feeling that you have at home, and I want to connect this to just a thought and get your reaction. I have always believed in retail and hospitality spaces and other places where brands connect, that there's a significant difference between spaces and places. A space is like my closet. It holds my clothes. Um, They have no particular interest. It's hanging in the closet. Once I take them out of the closet and put them on, they become animated and they have a certain feeling to them. A place is like the kitchen table at my mom and dad's house. You know, we spend those Thanksgiving dinners actually, uh, you know, remembering and talking and emotionally connecting. And so spaces, I think, are utilitarian. Places, I think, are about emotion. How does the store as a place connect to that idea of, of emotion that you might have, as, you know, in the same feeling that you might have at home? What, what are your thoughts about
0: that? Yeah, well, well first of all, uh, what we do with our, our store design, uh, we want to, uh, that it feels like home. So mm. uh, just also a, a technical thing, our lights that we have in our store is the, is the same lux as that, uh, that you have at home. More or less. I mean, a lot of stores, you see the bright white light because the products uh, look really good and the colors look really, really good. I do the opposite or we do the opposite. We do the color that you have at home. So our stores are very cozy. I also call them often a slow shopping paradise. So you come from the busy street where it's a big noise, a lot of people and you come into our store, you get offered a cup of tea. You're relaxed, uh, nice music, nice smell, of course. We don't have to do anything for it. Just open the, open the packaging. Um, and that you really slow down, literally. Uh, and that's also what we see in, in, uh, in our stores. The moment they come in, the pace of the people goes down. Uh, and we, don't, we are not very aggressive with selling. So we rather let you go. Uh, once we see, like, hey, you're interesting, we take you to the water island. You can test every product. So you really feel comfortable. And I think that's the most important. Like your home, you have to feel comfortable uh, and have a warm feeling. And it's indeed what you say. I mean, there's a difference. Uh, I mean, home home is literally where the heart is, uh, what you had on your refrigerator or on your father's refrigerator. Um, and I think that's completely true. And it's it's maybe a little bit uh, like, yeah, 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 uh, nice, those sayings, but it's true. I mean, yeah. you want to feel home. and. We all know fragrances are the first things that you remember. Uh, If you have a fragrance uh, from that delicious food that your mom made when you were maybe two or three years old, you still remember that smell. So I think the fragrances are so important uh, for your home, for your body, but also for your home. So I'm interested about that because that's
1: actually fascinating, right? You always hear, oh, if you're selling your house and you're having an open house, bake cookies or yeah. bake, you know, cake or something, because it smells good. But also, I'm likely not to like every scent that Rituals has, maybe 99% yeah. of the scents that Rituals has. But let's just say, but scent to me might be very personal. How do you get around that issue of filling the store with the sense that that may not really appeal to everyone or is that as a, as a concern or you do you change that scenting approach and that sensory part of the experience to yeah. align with
0: people or how do you do that well that's actually a compliment to our innovation department uh, that oh, is respons- responsible for that uh, but in common uh, what we often what we see is we have a sort of we have one fragrance that actually everyone likes it's fair it's, let's say it's a little bit general uh, that sounds a little bit negative but it's not. Mm. And then we have on both sides, to the fresh and to the more, uh, more heavy fragrances, we have different choices. So, actually there is always a fragrance that you as a person like. I think that's true. There's, um, I do tend to
1: gravitate, for example, I don't know, I'm kind of crazy this way, uh, I like the smell of leather. Um, yeah. So, go- going into a shoe store, I'm the weird guy who's picking up all the shoes and smelling them, <laughs> or the handbag <laughs> stores. I just love that smell. I don't know what it is, Uh, about the smell of leather. Also, perfume and cigarettes. I think that's probably from my college years or something, you know, from going out dancing or whatnot. But that's all that's interesting. You you mentioned something that I think I find fascinating as an architect, is the idea of the influence of light, light quality, and light sculpting, I'll call it. You know, as you move from space to space within the store, you're you're equally creating the relationship to merchandise through presentation. We'll get to that in a moment. But also changing the experience between areas also based on light quality, I think, too, is I guess what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah, I think you know, light is very important. And uh, what time by time, after one or two years, what we do, uh, we go with the designers into the stores and we take away light instead of putting mm. extra light. Uh, because what you see is that our, our, we have a new presentation there, let's put an extra light on it. And so we click an extra light spot in the rail. And before you know, it's one big sea of light in your store. And mm-hmm. light is actually nicer if you take away light. I mean, uh, you know, you see, you go to a pop concert, etc. There's a reason that they're always in the evening because you don't have light and you only have that light. Uh, so yeah. also with the store, it's like that. I mean, you, you create more emotion and more uh, excitement in the store by taking out light instead of putting extra light and actually, it seems
1: like it's more go ahead
0: yeah and that's actually also what you do at home isn't it you don't want to be uh, if you're in on the couch you have a nice uh, uh, television evening with a glass glass of wine you don't want to sit in bright white light no you just have a cozy light in the corner and maybe some small spots mm. in the ceiling and you dim them so it feels nice and cozy and actually that's exactly how it works with the store and there are not a, a lot of retailers that do that. I mean there are some that really do it very well lucky enough but also often they forget it. And it's not only it's with uh, uh, with our kind of stores. I mean I think it's for every every kind of store even a supermarket.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. It's interesting. We all know the blanket you know blanket lighting that you find in a lot of large um discount oriented type stores or or value shopping uh, oriented stores and it's just all it's uniform but everything looks the same aisle to yeah. aisle you go it, it, nothing changes but i think that it becomes much more interesting from a, from a visual and experiential point of view if you're changing and augmenting light quality as long as you can read things and you can see presentations well
0: yeah all right yeah and it's about products uh uh, I always have a, 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 a smart trick uh, to to the people that install the stores. Uh, take your telephone and look at the store through your telephone, because through your telephone you really see white spots on the floor. And the first thing, oh, and the first thing I say, do we sell floors? <laughs> no, we don't. So why are the spotlights? good question. Yeah, so why are the spotlights on the floor? I want them on the product. but again, not too many. I mean, it has to be excitement. Uh, it has to be a little bit a little bit dark so we create shadows etc so it looks also much better than just very plain light it has a sense of mystery maybe or like
1: i said a theatrical quality now i'm curious about this because it's as as a focusing on product like you said does that come from your early years in retail from being more connected to say the visual and presentation world um it seems like you have a fascination with the focus on well and any retailer or any retail designer or retailer would say product is the star of the show and the store is simply a stage for it to, you know, to shine. So, but you grew up in that world more on the visual side or presentation side than you did strictly the architecture side.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am I mean, my background is from retail. So uh, I started uh, when I finished school in a retail store as a shop manager. I loved the whole idea about the store, but there was one thing that I was not a big fan of, and that was the customer. (laughs) Uh, That's generally a challenge. Yeah, that's a challenge. If you're in the, in the store, I found them very uh, demanding and like, oh, what a trouble, but everything around I loved. And also the the, the things that you can influence everything. So, Hey, if you change Mm -hmm. a presentation or you uh, put product A on uh, and change them with product B and Hey, suddenly it sells better. And if you pile up and you make it a nice, beautiful presentation, put some lights on it, it sells better. And that that game I really loved. And from there, actually, I rolled into the, uh, to the role that I'm now, uh, step by step. Uh, and I think the fact that I was really in the store uh, helps me a lot uh, by mm-hmm. always thinking uh, uh, and, and looking at the store through the eyes of a customer. Uh, same. I, I, I was grateful to have my first
1: experience as a retail designer uh, before I, I went into the hospitality space and now back to the retail world. I grew up, I say, in the visual merchandising yeah. world. You know, I was in a small office. There were two visual merchandisers. I was the resident architect and an interiors person. But we went around the world literally um, stripping down department stores and teaching merchants how to merchandise better But we did it through the lens of design thinking back then. We weren't calling it design thinking, but it was visual perception, psychology. How do you draw people's attention to those things? And so I, like you, I guess, I got to see the world of retail design from the point of view of both the merchant and customer, not strictly from the point of view of architect.
0: No, that's very important. And and what also uh, I I think is very important uh, and also part of the success is that, I do everything, actually everything, or not I, but with I, I mean my whole department, of course. Uh, but mm-hmm. we are responsible for the new development of furniture. We are responsible for uh, the design of the stores or the planning. We are also responsible for the visual merchandising and for the shelf planning. Um, because we can make a beautiful design a beautiful furniture, but if the visual merchandising is not good, everyone will complain about, yeah, this table doesn't work. And, and the other way around, of course. I mean, if the visual merchandising is beautiful, but the design of the table is not correct, you get the same reaction. So I really think uh, by putting this together, uh, so if we start with a new development of a new furniture, we think already, I think already like, okay, how will it be in the store? How will it look like? And what is my picture? And that my stores are a sort of theater. So I think already, okay, how will it look like in this total store? Because one picture if you see a uh, new furniture it can look very beautiful and you see it often uh, with one of our suppliers we do a test there but it's about how will it look like in the store does it fit yeah. with with the rest does it blend with the rest but also stands out uh, and that's right that's the, the 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 game that you have to play constantly which i love
1: and it is fun it's actually um you know again whether i'm doing retailer or hospitality or anything else really i always find the most exciting part to is to get the challenge whether it's a brief you know that has to be solved which is usually written in words and then going from words to the physical things yeah. and sometimes the immaterial things like light quality in a room that's not a physical well i guess you could measure light as a physical thing but um and that translation from language into physical objects is is super fascinating i think as an idea no
0: absolutely uh, and well, you, you say light, you can't, you can't measure it. You can't measure it. But I know uh, a couple of years ago, we had a tender for uh, for new light supplier. And they come up with all kinds of sheets, like, oh, this kind of locks and blah, 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 blah. And I said, guys, uh, in the end, there were three suppliers. I don't care what you do. Here you have a store. The first uh, one third is for supplier A, second B, and uh, third uh, for uh, C. Just hang them, and I will just say what I like the most and I don't care about the numbers that are behind of it because I want to feel it uh, yeah, and you can come up with all kinds of yeah, this is so many locks and blah blah blah. It has to feel well, I mean again, it's the same what you do at home. I mean no one is yeah. buying a light or something like that, and ask in the store how mon- how many locks is it right. You don't care.
1: (laughs) But but you do know if it's too blue or if it's too, you know, right, which which is the, I remember when we bought our house, we walked into the house and the previous owner had changed all of the lighting to 5,000 K. And, you know, it was like, walking into it was like walking into one of those department stores you know or those it was it was horrible everywhere and there was no like yeah there was no there was no variation in lighting i wanted to get back to that idea that you said um because i love this idea because there's there's slow eating and there's slow traveling and now there's this idea of slowing down in retail why is that so important for rituals to get people to slow down when they come in
0: yeah, well, I think it's already in our uh, philosophy uh, uh, you know take a moment uh, enjoy the little moments uh, in life uh, and slow down. Uh, like I said, everyone is on a on a very fast pace uh, and in in the stores, I mean, and lucky enough it get less, but I think uh, 10, 15 years ago it was just about selling selling selling. You know, all the stores mm. were piling up it was not. Uh, it was nothing about emotion. It was nothing about, look how beautiful it is. No, it's just uh, we make a big pile of one product and we sell a lot. We're big storages, more or less. Right. Uh, right. And we wanted to uh, sell more emotion than just the products. Because if you ha- have people in their emotion, you have them way longer. And then you create fans instead of customers. And I think that's r- really important. Uh, a customer is just someone that needs a box or needs a candle or needs something and buys it. A fan really feels one with your, your brand.
1: They have the love affair with the brand. And I I, I suppose, like I talk about my wife a lot um, to my friends and to my colleagues, because I happen to have extraordinary respect for her, but I really like her a lot. Yeah. And um, I value that relationship. So I imagine the fandom is similar in that they also become your best advocates. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, I mean, we never made big uh, uh, promotional campaigns or things like that. No, we rather had, if we started in a new country, that people start to discover our stores. And our stores look quite expensive. Uh, Most people say, "Oh, it's quite expensive. So what we did in the beginning, uh, because it were dark, beautiful, real wood in the store, uh, really good materials. The product, the packaging is beautiful. So if you didn't know uh, Rituals, you would think like, oh, could be fi- uh, quite expensive. But then in the mm. in the shop window, we put a big lighted uh, post frame with a shower foam for nine ninety five. Uh, so it was really people were a little bit confused. Um, it took some in every country where we started. It, it took some time, but what we created is actually that you came in and you were really surprised about. The whole feeling of the store, you feel really welcome, the the level of the staff, you got a a cup of tea, and you were really overwhelmed with warmth. You bought a product, the product was really amazing. That's the best commercial and the best advertisement that you can have, because you can come at home, you tell your family, you tell your friends on birthdays, on on gatherings, and, and you're so enthusiastic. I mean, that's much more worth than a big promotional campaign with Brad Pitt. (laughs) (laughs) works <laughs>
1: out <laughs> although he, apparently he works too so does uh george clooney i guess if you're selling coffee um you know yeah well, but, also but still works.
0: still i think it's more worth that that uh a customer a fan tells about it because if you tell me that this brand a specific brand is so or a store is so nice you really have to go there i believe that more than if some celebrity tells me. Agree. Yeah, because then I think, yeah, he's paid for it or she. And uh yeah, but you are not. You are you you bought it, you had your experience. I, I mean yeah you see it with everything. I mean that's why TripAdvisor and things like that are are doing well because we believe people more than advertisements. You know, that's really interesting because uh, my
1: wife will always be, there you go, my wife, you see, I'll bring I'll bring her up now. She will rely on those, well, how many stars did they get? What was the reviews that they got? Yeah. Um, and and, and we'll rely on that quality. But I always say, or or ask the waiter whether or not, you know, the soup is any good. You know, do you like the soup? Well, he may say yes. But maybe my taste of soup isn't the same as his. So I don't, I don't know that I can rely on his quality. But, but we, you, you are right that you tend to rely on those kinds of feedback from other people who are like-minded, I suppose, yeah. is the
0: way to look at no, it. No, especially, and you, like I said, if, if family or friends, I mean, you know how they are. You know their level of expectation and, and things like that. So if a good friend, of you said like, you really have to go there. It's such a good service. It's such a good product, blah, blah. blah you believe him. Yeah. because he's your friend, you know how he is and
1: yeah. They, they and they you know that they ultimately have well you would assume your best interests in mind. Yeah. um uh, when you're when you're trying to make those decisions. No, absolutely. Um the 2 Ps, product and presentation. Yeah. Um or rather people and presentation. I I always put product in there because I think without product um that's a, the I guess the basis of retail stores is that there's something to purchase whether it's a service or a product. Yeah. Talk to me about people and presentation, and, and and some of your thoughts around how those two things are connected in making great brand experiences.
0: Well, I think yeah, the presentation is is really really important. Uh, I always we always talk about the five three one rule uh, in our company, and the five is how do you get people in, uh, but also one the mom, the moment they are in the store. You can apply this 5 3, five, three one rule, five-three-one uh, rule for everything. And the 5-3-1 rule is five meters, three meters, one meter. So if I pass by the store, what attracts me to look in that store? That's the five meters. Uh, mm. uh, so why is a person turning his uh, head uh, and look into the store? There must be a beautiful presentation of products without knowing what it is actually. Uh, but just being overwhelmed that you think, oh, wow, what is it? Uh, then the three meters, I want to know more. So then in you're already in the store. And you see, oh, wait, it's uh, it's uh, home cosmetics, beautiful candles. And then the one meter is re- if you're really interested to maybe purchase something, you will read about fragrances, the details, how beautiful porcelain uh, it is, et cetera, et cetera. And actually, you can apply this rule for everything. So, for your complete store, but also for your single presentation. Uh, and that's literally mm. how we do every presentation and every furniture and the whole store. Um, so, every time, the five, three, one rule.
1: I'm fascinated with this idea of, um, I'm a little bit of a closet neuroscientist. So, I love the idea of what can we do on a neurophysiological basis because we're pattern recognizing machines. Yeah. To be able to attract that attention because if you walked down that store uh, that street in amsterdam on which your store you're 100 meters away now but same yeah. same what's, what's the big shopping street there in amsterdam if you say so yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try it <laughs> yeah. in dutch because my dutch is horrible although i should i think i did pull out this I the schreveningen um,
0: schreveningen,
1: schreveningen. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning, you yeah, know, slowly. Okay. Apparently, if I can say that. It's undoable for, that...
0: for uh, every non-Dutch speaking uh, person. <laughs> that's true. We did that on purpose. Yeah, that's fantastic.
1: But if you walk down that street, there's so much visually going on that yeah. it is th- the question mark, right? Or is the challenge is as a retailer or anyone trying to get someone's attention at the, fi- the five meter rule is what is it that we're doing in all of that visual noise? that allows me to attract the attention so that I have the opportunity for the three meter rule to kick in, right? To, to get that opportunity for consideration. How do you slow people down? Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think
0: that, that street where you were in, in Amsterdam is a good example, especially 12 years ago, it was everyone was screaming at that moment yes. More bigger light boxes, more flashing screens, et cetera, et cetera. And what we have done, we minimalized everything. So we, didn't scream out. We had a beautiful old-fashioned shop front, and we brought it also back like how it was. So actually, between all the screaming uh, retailers, we were the one that popped out because we didn't. So we did actually the opposite. And uh, that's what we still do, actually, with a lot of buildings. Uh, We just opened this week uh, a store in Cannes. And it's a beautiful location and we restored the whole facade how it was 60 years ago with beautiful canopies, really chic, really uh, in all kinds of small details. Uh, And I think because of that, we we stick out. So not per definition, like you see with a lot of retailers, they just take out the shop front, put a a big... um, portal in it uh, with, and sh- a lot of shouting or whatever no we we, mm. we always try to use the building and his uh, the, the the atmosphere and the, the nice things about the building in our design so this is exactly
1: the neuroscientific sort of at a neuroscientific level right it's we're able to pick out anomalies in complex patterns before yeah. we're able to decode patterns so if you are the anomaly now, whether that means you're the guy who's shouting like you say when everyone else isn't or when everyone else is you're the one who isn't yeah then that naturally is going to be that's the anomaly in this pattern you know and so as a so it seems like a, it's and these are i hate using the word or i don't like using the word tricks but these are the things that if you understand how we react to experiences like that then you can leverage those ideas to drive customer engagement in a, in a much more profound way. So I yeah. think that's that's, that's brilliant. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm
0: 100% sure that yet you get the attention to that store because it was such a sweet building.
1: You're right, and I'd be curious yeah. to see because sometimes, I mean, you, you literally can't build them anymore, those those kinds of buildings that have that kind of architectural quality. I mean, you could, they well, extremely expensive to yeah. try to do. What,
0: yeah, but still, also, if we are in, in malls, we always, uh, even there, we try to have uh, a shop front that uh, I think uh, ten years ago we started. Said, I want to have a shopfront, a sort of standard uh, shopfront, a signature of Rituals. That even if we take the the letters away, that everyone knows this is Rituals.
1: That's great, I, and I love that idea. So defining what those core elements are. Yeah, it's kind of like I say to people: Listen, hey, if I drop you in the middle of, I'll use American coffee shops. Um, Dunkin Donuts or Tim hortons, and i and then I put you into Starbucks, but each one of those, I, I took the blindfold and I put the blindfold on you. If you stripped away the branding, logos, yeah. and such, would you know you're in a Starbucks versus a Dunkin Donuts? And you should be able to know. But yeah. those visual cues are critical. yeah. so what are what are some of those visual cues for rituals? Like what in terms of if I dropped into a ritual store from out of space, you know, what would be the kinds of things that I would expect to sort of feel or sense or see there?
0: Well, I mean, if we drop you in, in a store, uh, actually our store design, the basics are already the same for the last 17 years. So we have a dark oak floor, real oak. Um, mm-hmm. Our ceiling is black and the whole, again, the light, the whole uh, light is down in the, in the store. Um, yeah, dark colors. Actually, it's if you see our store without products, you would say like, "Hmm, it's quite boring, boring store." But once the products come in that are very colorful, because we have our rituals, we have our sakura that's white, we have our ayurveda that is a little bit pinkish red, uh, we have our ying that is green, then the store starts to to live, um, come alive, yeah. comes alive. Yeah, and and I'm hundred percent sure that everyone that comes in. Feels directly uh, like okay, this is Rituals, and uh, we see it because we have now also a beautiful flagship store here in Amsterdam of uh, almost three thousand square meters. It's different. Uh, we're, on purpose we use different materials, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but still, everyone that comes in says, "Oh, this is Rituals." Right. Uh, and the same we have in our offices. Uh, we don't. We didn't copy our stores in the office. But still, everyone says like, "Oh, this really feels rituals." And I think uh, most people, are, are our biggest fan, they for them rituals is cozy. That's interesting. I think there's it goes back to that whole
1: idea of creating that sort of ambiance that feels like home, and it has that sense of human scale comfort to it yeah. versus the enormous, you know, department store idea. Let's go to the subject of rituals, just as an idea, which which I. I have said that I love the sort of study of rituals. And um, I remember when I was in architecture school, there was a history theory professor, uh, Alberto Perez Gomez, and I used to sit in on his classes um, and I'd audit them because I found it so fascinating. And he'd be talking about Dionysian rituals and the whole sort of connection. And I really began to understand the idea that participating in rituals directly with your body versus being an observer to a ritual, which I, which you can do too. Many of us go to religious ceremonies, you know, yeah. and sit in the audience where we're participating, but not directly. We're more observing. Um, but participating in rituals, uh, my understanding is, it gives us a deep sense of meaning and understanding that we connect ourselves to some larger idea, uh, where we come to understand my relationship to place and my family, my culture, my, you know, my world, maybe my universe. And that's really important, right? And ritual isn't just about doing something over and over and over again. There's a process to it, which is really deeply embedded in our understanding of who we are. Yeah, Is that, does that align with the world of rituals, the store and the practice of rituals?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it starts with our products, of course. I mean, like you said, the products is is key. It starts, everything starts with that. Uh, And we take beautiful uh, stories, Asian stories, uh, from all different parts of the world. And there are beautiful stories, you know, not uh, only in Asia, but if you have the the rituals of Mare, which is uh, an old uh, rituals from the Persian uh, time. So we we take those rituals uh, and we use some Western technology to make the best best products out of them. Uh, And I think people want to buy, if they buy something, they want to buy something more with a story. I mean, it's also nicer that you have a story behind it than, yeah, this is a candle point. Uh, it's much nicer if there is a story behind that candle that can mm, mm-hmm. explain people. Like, oh, what a beautiful fragrance! Well, it's actually the fragrance uh, that uh, uh, that they used in uh, in old Persia, for example. You know, and mm-hmm. that connection with old rituals. I think in the end, everyone wants to be part of something, and rituals mm. have always been really, really important. I mean, uh, rit- rituals and religion is very close to each other you know it it goes into each other and and we all always want to be with someone and we love rituals in common
1: yeah i think the sharing of the ritual is critical you can do you can do something over and over and again by yourself but i think um that shared sense of feeling that shared um experience you're right i think when you when you're able to describe it to somebody even if they're not there, but you have the candle or the box or whatever. I love the idea that it's connected to a story. I once worked for a French bath and body um, company doing their stores. And they said, we're going to put a big LED screen on the wall behind the cash register and we'll run our Twitter feed on that. And I thought, wow, I mean, why do you want, I can look at Twitter on my phone. I don't have to look at it on your wall. I said, if you're going to spend the money on a big screen, you should try to do something slightly different. They said, well, yeah, but I mean, we need to have people understand, you know, um, the whole idea of our origin story, which is where they made their products in the country that they made their products. And I said, listen, most people in the US don't know where that place is, for starters. And I bet they're not so interested in that place, but I bet what they would be interested in is that beautiful box that has that beautiful glass jar holding that hand cream. They have no idea where it comes from, but there's some, there's somebody that chose the shea butter that, that crafted the shea butter content or the other flowers that went into it, the essence of those flowers. And that's a real person. Yeah. And that person whose job it is every day is to go out and do that. And I think that there's a story there about the people who manufactured that beautiful thing for you that is way more interesting than necessarily the big country that it came from. I think if you can connect those two things together, well, then you might have some magic. So if you're gonna do an LED screen, do a huge map of the world, show where these products, and then tell the story of the people, yeah. you know, who crafted these things. Because most people have no idea when things show up at store where they came from. They're, they're in a beautiful box, they look great, they probably smell wonderful. But I think when you can connect them to something deeper, they they also get more attached to it, oh, know, on an emotion.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I mean, uh it's funny about the map that you said, uh, we, our, uh, uh, all the perfums are also based. Uh, we literally have in our presentation, they are all from all around the world. Uh, mm. so we have uh, in our premium store, we have a lift and learn solution. So you lift the, the tester and then on the screen, you see directly uh, on the map where it comes from and then the ingredients from that country, from that uh, ritual. Um, so it, Yeah. It's exactly what you say. I mean, if you have that connection, uh, then, then you, have more, you have more fans and you have the people. You literally yeah. have. Yeah. And I think you, the story goes
1: deeper than the pro- product. The yeah. product has to deliver. The product has to deliver on no, what uh, it's for supposed sure. to do. Uh,
0: I mean, if the product is, uh, if the quality is not well, you sell it once and then it's done. So that's, uh, like I said before, it's all about innovation. Our innovation department that uh, comes up with all the products. Uh, it starts with that. If that's yeah. not good, forget it. So, uh, but that's uh, we know how to do it. Let's say like that. Uh, but then yeah. it's indeed the, the whole story behind it, and uh, how do you communicate that that story, and how you uh, make people connected? And you know, we have uh, once or twice a year we have limited editions. Uh, so uh, I think three, four years ago we had the ritual of Yalda, which is uh, also an old Persian uh, tradition, and. You really saw that uh, people uh, from from all Persia, or let's say from the Iran, uh, that that live here in Europe, they uh, and also in the U.S., they bought everything. They were such wow. a big fan of it because it was the fragrances, uh, you know, the, the fruit that they used, etc. And it really reminds them from their old home. Even they were were small small kid at that moment, so. Again, that, that the fragrance is—we uh, all know fragrance is the first thing that you remember, or that the first thing that you put in your brains, unconscious. Uh, but it's also the first thing that comes out, even after years. Uh, and, I- and it's so beautiful to see then those, those people that they say, "Yeah, it really reminds me at home." You know, it's funny. that this,
1: this is not a visual medium, so our guests won't be able to see this. But I'm watching you describe that story, and, and you've got this enormous smile on your face. You know. <laughs> yeah. And and I and I, I find that delightful. Uh, because when you describe it, you you're clearly feeling a sense of joy about about that ability as as a, someone who crafts these environments for people to be able to get to. Them yeah. that
0: way. no, I, I mean, I think uh, retail and that's that's uh, I think retail is very close to hospitality. And what you want with hospitality is that people are happy. Uh, And if I'm in in a store, and especially in the weekends when it's crowded in the store and it's really busy, I really get, I I love it to see uh, happy faces because that means, yeah, happy faces means that we did our job very well. And then at that moment, I care a little bit less about the turnover or whatever, because that turnover will come uh, automatically, but happy faces are way more important.
1: You know, you mentioned hospitality now, uh, and and that to me My previous job was uh, working with Marriott as a VP of global design strategies and very interested in the crossover crossover between hospitality and retail, not just ritual product in the bath and body, you know, products that they have in in their guest rooms. um, But Shinola, uh, American brand, um, Equinox, uh, Restoration Hardware, West Elm, even Taco Bell, the fast food retailer have all done hotels. Yeah. And I'm, I kept on sort of expressing myself because I came from the retail world and I say, gosh, you know, guys, what is it about the retail world that they understand that they connect to a customer maybe five or 10x times you know, times more than we do as a hotel brand where you may get a guest one, two, maybe three maximum unless you're a road warrior times a year. And then for only two and a half nights this is like the yeah. maximum stay. But the retailers are connecting to people Continually, and it's not surprising to me that that brands like the ones I just mentioned are making hotels because yeah. people want to immerse themselves in that world. What's your yeah. thought about that that crossover opportunity?
0: Well, actually, uh, we have, a, like I said, we have our big flagship, the House of Rituals, here in Amsterdam. Love to hear that. And yeah. uh, we we were even thinking about it, but we didn't have enough space unfortunately to make a hotel on top of it. Uh, because and i think the reason why i mean in a hotel it's like you said you come there and you leave but a brand that you love you take it home and i think that's the big difference you know the hotel you're just for a while and you leave again like you said you know better two and a half days Mm -hmm. in average um and then you leave, mm-hmm. and you have no connection with it, unless you are a frequent traveler. I mean, I am, and I always go to the same hotels. Once I know a good hotel in a city, I go there uh, mm-hmm. because, again, I feel home there. Um, but yeah, the brands that you love, you take them home. So I think the connection with a brand is is way bigger than a connection with a hotel brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the reason also why a lot of brands start hotels or 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 restaurants or things like that so hospitality and retail are really blending uh, with each other uh, which is i think a really really good thing to see well that's the interesting thing about hospitality and retail Um,
1: hospitality retail talks a lot about experience but at the base it's about products and services and they they wrap that engagement in experience. And we're all talking about experience these days. I've never known a time that it wasn't about experience. Like I never had a hotel or I never had a retailer say to me, let's make a really bad experience, you know, where you can't find the product. No one ever says that. Whereas hotel or hospitality world has only been about experience because you don't bring anything home. Well, now you can, now you can go online and buy, you know, the bed or the pillows or things like that but it's only been about experience. So I'm really fascinated because each of these two worlds have a, a, a deep understanding of, on the retail side, how to connect to the customer and, and get products into their lives that they use every single day. Yeah. And the hospitality side is how to create emotion and memory and sort of that, that like you said, that, that sense of emotion that you, you, you generate in your stores. And bringing those two things together, it just seems to me like it's a natural, you know, yeah. crossover opportunity. So. No,
0: no, absolutely. And and not to forget the, the people that work in hospitality from nature, they are service orientated. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of most of our uh, store manager come from hospitality All right. from directly from school or they worked in hospitalities. And why? Because they literally have that service-minded thing in their in their body. You know, you don't have to explain them. I mean, that's how they grow up. That's what they have have uh, have learned so their whole life. So the service level of the, those people is much is much better. And I think in retail, uh, like we do, on, the, on the, let's say on the more service side, it's the best people that you can have. For sure. I know, I yeah. totally understand
1: that. Uh, you mentioned House of Rituals. Let's take a small diversion. Tell us about House of Rituals and, and what that is and uh, what you hoped to be able to learn or f- yeah. further develop from it.
0: Well, uh, two years ago, we were 20 years old and we were thinking, like, what is a nice present to give ourselves uh, to uh, for our 20th anniversary? Uh, and we were thinking, like, yeah, we're going to make a... a Kind of the rituals department store where you have everything, and why uh, to make sure that we are on the next level already. We're already ahead on what is coming to reinvent ourselves and also to challenge ourselves. Uh, because here in Europe, we we open around between one hundred fifty and two hundred stores. This week we opened ten stores, only this week. The week before nine, and next week eight. So it goes so fast. Uh, so, if you if you don't look out, you get sort of spoiled. And uh, I think it's always good to challenge yourself. So we're like, okay, we're going to make a department store. Uh, so we have a beautiful, beautiful the mo- one of the most iconic buildings in the city. Uh, if you see a picture, you will remember it because it was also in that same street actually. But it was that building at that time was completely. Uh, well, it was almost raped. Let's say like that. It looked terrible. The, the retailer that was inside, they they demolished everything. And it was actually the first department store in Amsterdam in the Netherlands.
1: I've walked to that store, and I, I can tell you, the last time that I was there, it was just full of independent vendors, all different kinds of things. And but I do remember beautiful lighting um, hanging from the ceiling. Um, yeah. Uh, in that. store. But anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh we, we created the store and. Uh, we saw it actually already before, you know, we we use a lot of styling items and small seating areas in our bigger stores. And often people came like, hey, I like this. Where can I buy or can I buy it? So all, all those combinations together, uh, we were thinking like, OK, we're going to make a, a, a department store, kind of department store where you can really indulge yourself into the whole rituals feeling. So not only our basic products, but also the products uh, that we like. As Um, So the beautiful pillows, beautiful furniture, uh, also a lot of one-offs that you can only buy one and then you can't buy them anymore. Uh, Beautiful books, but also a beautiful restaurant that also uh, has the same uh, philosophy like we do. So combine the Eastern and the Western world, um, have really beautiful food, uh, really on a high level, but for affordable price again and um, so that's what you have on the first, uh, on the ground floor and the first floor. Uh, second floor is beautiful body spa. You can go there for your nice massage, for your for your feet, for your nails, uh, for your complete body. We have a, a sort of hammam in there in the middle of the city, and it's amazing because Amsterdam city is always noise. It's like New York, besides the all the, the cars, by the way. It's more people that you hear the noise than all the cars, But there is always noise. And once you're in the building, the higher you get in the building, the more quiet it gets and the more serene it gets. So on the second floor, we have a beautiful body spa. And then one floor up, we have uh, the one kind in the world, we have the mind spa. Uh, And that's something uh, where we try to reinvent ourselves again, uh, where we started 22 years ago with wellness and it was completely new. Uh, and now we're even more in in the mindfulness, but take even mindfulness in the in the next level, uh, because with mindfulness and with our mind uh, spa, mind oasis, we call it, there uh, there are a lot of so let's say sort of religions about mindfulness and how you have to train your mind. I mean, there are people that say, now you have to breathe uh, very deep, and some say, no, you don't have to breathe at all, and so there are different ways. Uh, <clears throat> So what we try is uh, make a sort of very approachable way of convincing people that taking uh, that step back and take that moment for yourself is really worth it. So once you come up in the Mind Oasis, we have first uh, a table, uh, we call it the Mind Bar. Uh, You sit down and you do just a very simple uh, game on, on the iPad where you can see already very quickly. How you can affect your breathing, but also your heart rate uh, and all kinds of other things. So you get a small uh, wrist uh, band on and it measures everything. And just by looking at the balloon, the uh, more relaxed you are, the balloon goes higher. So that's just a very simple game to show people how you can affect your body and so also your health. Well, after you have done that, uh, we give you advice to go... Or in in uh, a chair where you get a lot of energy, or on the other way, we have a pot uh, where you can relax. And in that pot, you go on zero gravity, and the music is specially arranged and it's all science based. Uh, and there are uh, some movements in the chair. And the funny thing is, uh, when we were developing this chair, um, I'm always quite sceptic, to be honest, and a little bit, <laughs> a little, a little bit black and white but I was five or 10 minutes in that chair and I was completely gone. Really? Yeah. And a uh, half hour, 40 minutes in that chair and it's in a sort of cocoon. So you, you're completely away. And the first five minutes you're fighting against it. But after that, you're gone. And that half hour is, is stands for two or three hours of sleep. And it really works. And it's unbelievable. And you're so completely relaxed. And I think that's, again... You know, it's your mind, but it's it's your body, but it's also your mind that you have to relax. It's it's as important. It's not only your body. We all go to the gym. We we think about at least most people. You know, we do sports. uh, We think about what we eat, what we drink, uh, but we forget often uh, our mind, which is uh, is very important. I mean, everyone knows stress causes sickness. And we're not here to say like, okay, uh, we will solve this problem. No, not at all. We just want to give the people a little bit like, and again, enjoy that little moments of life because, so it goes actually back to our philosophy already where it started with uh, 22 years ago.
1: You know, I wake up every morning and I have a meditation ritual and I, I, I love what you just said because I can lower my heart rate. I can breathe, you know to get my, my breath aligned. I can even sit absolutely still and not move. Um, but calming my mind is the largest challenge because I'm racing all the time. I'm thinking of the next project, the next email, the next connection. And and that, that just honestly, it just, it takes, it's hard work. (laughs) It's hard work to calm the mind. And it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And, um, so I would, I want one of those chairs. This Start selling those chairs on the website and I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> well, they would be, or the pod rather. I want the pod at home.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it, you can buy uh, three uh, beautiful cars of it. Uh, a of oh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we haven't okay, made okay. them consumer friendly <laughs> yet, but uh, a, a good thing to think about. Absolutely.
1: Well, that's my next trip to Amsterdam. I'm coming for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you should. Absolutely.
1: So, if you go to your website, you are qualified now as a B Corp. Yeah. Um, can you help to understand for those who don't know what that is, what it means, and and how it influences work and and uh, the environments that your your stores?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, create. actually, B Corp is, is one of the highest uh, certificates that you can get in uh, in the in the let's say in the sustainable uh, world, and it's not only about your products, but it's actually, they scan your whole company. So it's not only about do you uh, how much energy and how much plastic in your products, blah, blah, blah. No, it's really they look at, okay, how do you deal with your own staff? Uh, how do you deal with your suppliers? How are your suppliers? What are they doing? So it's literally, they take the whole chain in your company. Uh, and uh, also with that, we challenge ourselves because it's literally not an easy it took us two years to get the certification. Mm-hmm. And I think every company that has the B Corp certification can uh, knows about it. It's really hard to get there. But the good thing is you also have to improve yourself. So it's not like, oh, I have it and uh, I can show it to everyone. No, every second or third year, you have to improve yourself and make sure that you're still worth that uh, B Corp certificate. Uh, so in that way, really from A to C, we, we have to... Push ourselves uh, to be, you know, uh, to innovate constantly, uh, but also constantly look at new solutions. And sometimes those solutions are not there yet, because the market didn't bring them yet, or they are uh, still uh, too niche or, or not available. Uh, and and sometimes it's also just yet yeah, force yourself to a solution, you know. And I think the whole the sustainability is is such an important thing, but you see that it's used often as a kind of marketing. And I think with B Corp, you force yourself not to ma- uh, to use it as marketing, but really do it. And that's not only about changing plastic bags for paper bags, which is actually worse, paper bags than plastic bags. But uh, for the image, it's nicer. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's all about the whole chain uh, that we work in.
1: Right. You know, it's funny, I was talking to someone... Um, last week talking about design as a responsibility and the whole idea that many of the challenges that we now face at a sustainability sort of level are there not because we failed in our design practices we've actually really succeeded very well in many of our design practices you know we brought cars to the world we brought all these different industries to the world and plastic was a great was the savior right thank you i think dupont But it's caused so many problems, right? And so designers, designers and people who create environments or products or things that come into the world have to spend a minute while they're in that process and going, what if a billion people like this idea, Yeah. what what happens, you know, and, and now with, uh, you know, hundreds of stores in the ritual portfolio, there is a responsibility. To be good stewards of the environment, right?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I think a very easy trick, uh, at least that's what I always say uh, here in in, at the office, is make people capex and opex responsible. Then Mm -hmm. automatically, you're also work more sustainable. Because if you're only capex responsible, you just want to make cheap furniture, cheap this. If you're also uh, opex responsible, you look at long term. Well, okay. how fast do I have to replace that light bulb or how fast do I have to replace the floor and things like that? Uh, So with us, I'm responsible for the CAPEX. So what is the investment for the store now? But I'm also responsible. What does this cost, this store maintenance wise and how long can we deal with this store? And like I said, 20 years ago, more or less, we started with our new uh, the concept that we have now, and that same oak floor is still in the in the in the stores. So if we are still in the same location, we still have the same oak floor, uh, and we also know uh, also our designers, and especially those uh, the designers that are responsible for the new development. They know if we think about the new furniture for a specific product. We always think already like, okay, but if this product doesn't sell, can we change this furniture very easily uh, so we can put another product, uh, another product group on it by just Mm -hmm. changing the inlays or uh, so to avoid that we have to literally throw it away. So we're always looking at uh, design. I think design is very important to check how long can you use it? uh, Can you... Use it for some other things or just with some small adjustments. Uh, and as long as you look at, at those things uh, and it's that you also think like oh, it's, it's for 10 years, it's not for only five years. Now, right. let's think uh, further. So rather spend a little bit more money at this moment to have the right quality, but also the flexibility in your furniture. So that means that you have to think a little bit longer about your design, uh, also about the, the, the materials that you use. But in the end, uh, it's it saves you money, first of all, or second of all, and it's better for the environment.
1: Yeah, I think that's part of the challenge, right? That, well, I'll say retailers, but corporations or you know, maybe companies in general have to get to the point where they understand that something that's good for the environment is also good for business. Um, yeah. Not just because of the image they project outwards, but... To think sustainably is to think about how your business is impacting the long-term viability of the environment that you're building into, right?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, like I said, I mean, we were, I think in Europe, we were one of the first stores that in the whole chain. And at that moment, we had maybe 300 stores or something. But we changed all the lights for LED lights. I mean, there was no one that was thinking about it because they still said, yeah, those LEDs are three times more expensive than the normal lights. But I said, yeah, but in five, I made a very good deal with my light supplier and I have seven years warranty on this light bulb. So if it's, it's, uh, my LED uh, spotlight goes off, I take it out of the rail, I send it to my light supplier, he send a new one, point. Uh, and my energy saving at that time was already a lot. Now it's even more because they, they're yeah. much more improved. But I said, also within four years, I earned back in energy saving. But again, CAPEX, OPEX responsible.
1: And often shifting to the, from the CAPEX to the OPEX, you know, to think about it's not just how much you're spending, but it's how you consider this way of operating as the way you're going to do things. And when you change the mindset towards the investment you're making as an operational expense versus simply a CAPEX expense, yeah. um, then I think it it changes, at the, it changes your whole point of view on Thinking about things long term, yeah. you know, uh, rather than just as, as, as a short, sort you of know, throwaway. No, absolutely. What is um, your hope uh, for the things that you bring into the world uh, through rituals? <laughs> uh, well, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs> um, I always I always try to end with it because I'm always
0: <laughs> curious about what people's hope for their
1: work is. Yeah.
0: Um, no, I I mean I think. We have a wish and we want to be uh, a brand that is known in the whole world. I mean, we, are, we have a big brand awareness here in Europe, but for example, in the US or in Asia, it's not so big. I mean, yes, a lot of people, because we travel all and we have seen it, et cetera, but it's mainly those people that are really interested on a personal level or in a professional level that, that knows our stores and knows our brands. Uh, so, yeah, become a world brand. And what's needed for that, we don't know. Uh, I mean, do we need 2,000 stores, 3,000 stores, or maybe in the future only 500 stores? We will see. Uh, I mean, I really believe in, uh, in in real stone stores, brick and mortar, uh, uh, because I think that that combination is, is really key, uh, and we can't do without each other. We can't do without e-commerce, and e-commerce can't do without out uh, stores. Uh, and especially now, uh, where the stores get more, more and more an experience center. Uh, you know, it's a really fashionable word. Everyone says, "Yeah, we have to be an experience, etc., cetera, etc." But in the end, it is what it is. Uh, you know, people go to your store to get inspired uh, and uh, and to experience the fragrance. And I think that's with with. Fashion like that with uh, cosmetics, with perfumes, etc. You want to feel it. You want to taste it. Uh, you want to feel the texture, and it's the same with fabrics, etc. So e-commerce will never take that away. Never
1: until the world of haptics and the ability to smell through my computer screen <laughs> happens. Uh, the store, the store will have to be the place where we engage.
0: Yeah, but even then, I think, I mean, we are social creatures. So we also want to to have a conversation about a product. Uh, you know, I mean, you, uh, you see it already with uh, household supplies, for example. I mean, search on internet and you see, okay, uh, I have this uh, washing machine, this dryer, I have a combi. Uh, but in the end, you are stuck like, yeah, I need some professional help because I have no idea. You buy those things once in five ten years Uh, and i think it's with every product Uh, i I want to go to the store if i buy a new jeans uh, that someone looks at me and he said you have size 52 and not measure myself because only because of this person says you have this size i directly have trust in him so because Mm -hmm. i think uh, he knows what he's talking about Uh, and it's the same in in our stores you know that they directly uh, tell you about the rituals, tell you about the history, about all the ingredients. You think like, okay, this person knows where he or she is talking about. So you have trust and you will never have that with e-commerce. I mean, it's it's that human contact, the social thing uh, that will not change. It's a little bit like the idea
1: of spaces and places. You know, the, the internet, I can, once I know the product, well, I can go and get it on the internet. I don't have to. Repeat
0: sales. Um, yeah, fine.
1: Repeat sales. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fine. But for but, Im- immersion in the brand, you I, I just have to be there. I think.
0: Yeah, and-, and even with repeat sales, I mean, we try to uh, uh to get people that if they buy something, we still try them to get into the stores because in in the stores yeah. we can show them other products. Of course, you can do that also online, but yeah, you know, they just click it away <laughs> because yeah. they're not interested. And in the stores. With a beautiful presentation, visual merchandising, beautiful packaging, we really can indulge people to try it and to smell it and to try it at the water table, and then like, oh, that's actually really nice. They would never have done that uh, online. So yeah, I re- hardly believe in the, in the store in the combination. It's not only this. It's a, it's a combination. Yeah, an e-commerce
1: world is never going away, and it has no. its- it's value for sure um but i am a because i'm an architect and i'm 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 a sensory experience you know we will make sure desi- that designer right? we will
0: make sure that uh, stores don't uh, disappear
1: <laughs> no they they won't for sure but i think the idea there and I, that is true richard i think the store will never disappear but what we do at the store i think will fundamentally shift in in the, as it has over the past 10 15 20 years um, and I'm really excited to see where Rituals evolves to uh, in the next couple of years after being what 22 years old now. I guess yeah. it is. Um, and my, I should be making my way back to Amsterdam for my next visit to the uh, House of Rituals. You're very so. welcome.
0: I show you. I'm delighted to show you around and put you in the well, in pod. <laughs> I want to go to the. That's right. I want to be in the pod. Yeah.
1: Richard Lems, thank you so much for this conversation.
0: Very welcome. Nice to speak to you.
1: Next Level Experience Design Podcast is presented by VMSD Magazine and Smart Work Media. It's hosted and executive produced by me, David Kepron. Our original music and audio production by Kano Sound. Make sure to tune in for Dialogues on Data, Design, Architecture, Technology, and the Arts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And make sure to visit vmsd.com and look for the tab for the podcast there too. Also, remember you'll always find more information with links to content that we've discussed, contact information for our guests, and more in the show notes for each episode.